Thank you for joining us for this episode of Level Up, the podcast for marketers, by marketers, created by Lev, that distills best practices and strategies, helping marketers increase their experience, one-up their strategy, and grow personally and professionally. We're your hosts, Tyler Williams. I lead a sales team here at Lev, been with Lev a little over four years and based in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm joined by a special guest host today. Jess, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Jess Endel. I have also been with Lev for almost four years now. Um, I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and my education is in graphic design, the master's in advertising, and I lead our team of creative uh, consultants here at Lev. Amazing. So as, as our fearless and faithful listeners know, we typically like to start with a icebreaker that kind of maybe pertains to today's discussion topic. Sometimes it doesn't. Today's actually does have some application. So Jess, in our, in our preparation, thankfully, we did a little bit of this icebreaker, not fully, but I know that at least we're not going to be completely diametrically opposed on our answers here, which probably could have made for better podcasting, arguably. But our icebreaker questions, there's a couple of them. I'll ask them all at one time. Respond however you like. Do you decorate slash play Christmas music before or after Thanksgiving? What's your favorite Christmas movie? And then, if necessary, <laughs> to back up your favorite Christmas movie, how do you define Christmas movies? So before or after Thanksgiving, and what do you think about Christmas movies? How about that? Yeah, classic questions. And I know a lot of our lovesters have very strong opinions about this. I'm super glad we can be friends today. Uh, since you kind of queued that up, but my opinion um, is that you definitely have to wait until after Thanksgiving. Um, hard stop, no decorating before, it's just not okay if you do. Um, and my favorite Christmas movie is Elf. I think we know how you feel about uh, Christmas decorating, but what's your take? Well, to spin it back on you really quick before I dive into my thoughts, uh, why Elf? Is it Will Ferrell? Is it funny? Is it just the Christmas feels? Like, what about that movie makes it special for you? It's probably the combination. So Will Ferrell's great, right? Classic. Um, but it's kind of got all the themes of a feel-good Christmas movie while also being really funny. Um, I still regularly quote a lot of the movie lines. I just like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. Um, and you know, you can't go wrong when that stuff sticks with you. For sure. Yeah, I, I put Elf is probably in my top five. Um, but to answer the questions in order, uh, yes, people who decorate and or play Christmas music, at least for others to hear. If you're in your house by yourself and you're one of those families who's who is wrong and you play music before Thanksgiving, if you do it on your own time behind closed doors, that is fine. What I don't need to hear is Christmas music in the mall or you driving with your windows down in your convertible in late October playing Christmas music. Like that will be grounds for me making a recommendation for you to be institutionalized. So absolutely not before Thanksgiving. I would even make an argument that at times it should only happen once December hits. But for those families who live far apart or don't get together that often, I can see how, hey, the day after Thanksgiving or sometime that weekend, it makes sense to, to Christmas decorate, you know, together if that's something that that is necessary for you to do together. So I'll allow that caveat. 
Um, my favorite Christmas movie, uh, hands down, watch it every year uh, and certainly watch it way more than just once a year growing up, which probably puts the number of times I've seen this movie somewhere between 40 and 50, I'd guess, is A Christmas Story. Uh, it's a little bit old school. I do not know when it came out. I don't even want to wager a guess and be wildly wrong publicly, uh, but a great Christmas story with all of the feels uh, and also some irreverence that catches you a little bit off guard. Um, and obviously it's it's quite funny. Um, <clears throat> and growing up, I also wanted a Red Rider BB gun and the opportunity to shoot my eye out. So all that being said, um, I think probably some of our feelings about Christmas feels, the emotions we feel, the stories associated with holiday movies probably translate quite well into some of our favorite holiday campaigns, which is in general what we're going to discuss today. Favorite holiday campaigns, what makes them successful, how we track success, how we think about audience. Uh, and then finally, what are some other considerations during the holiday times, if and when maybe you're not running a campaign or just other marketing efforts, evergreen efforts, for example, that you should be thinking about during the holiday time. So let's start out with just some warm, fuzzy feelings. Jess, what are some of your favorite holiday campaigns and why? Yeah, so one of my favorites is going to have to be Starbucks. Um, it's the Red Cup. Um, it's, but more importantly, it's also kind of the gamify element that they've created. Uh, the Red Cups are, are just classic, right? Um, and they've kind of become this cultural icon element, if you will, that really signifies the start of that holiday season. You know, there's countdowns now to when the Red Cups are going to get released. So in the spirit of vamping up for Christmas, um, there's some buzz and some excitement there. Um, fun fact, the first Red Cup was actually purple. And it was designed before uh, Facebook or Twitter, Twitter X, sorry. <laughs> Um, it was designed before that even existed. So the first two years they had purple cups and ever since then it went to the red cup. But, you know, it signifies the start of the holiday season for a lot of people, not just, you know, here in America, but around the world. What do you yeah, think that... is on? Yeah. What do you think about Starbucks red cup? You can't really get away from it. No, that that's actually something that, you know, to your point, it started as a holiday campaign, but arguably, you know, for some people has probably even grown larger than holiday, if you will. Um, you know, there are certain campaigns, uh, whether they be marketing, like we're talking about, or just even certain things in pop culture that like, hey, it starts out as this specific thing. And now it's grown to such a scale that that's really amazing and impressive. I think that's what's exciting about Starbucks is that, you know, they continue to evolve it. And somehow it's both gotten bigger and arguably better. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people have very strong feelings about the Starbucks Red, Camp Red Cup campaign. I'm intrigued. I'm impressed. I don't necessarily have super strong feelings. Uh, just as we prepped this uh, podcast, I told you I'd have some hot takes. Red Cup campaign is not one of them. So yeah, it's solid. It's cool. Um, to, so we'll, we'll go back and forth here just a little bit. Um, and the first one I'm going to mention is we're going to call it an honorable mention because as I was researching, both remembering holiday campaigns that have made an impact on me, but also the ones that like I maybe wasn't aware of to go back and look at their impact on the marketplace, their spot in pop culture, et cetera. I stumbled upon something I'd never seen before, and now it can't be unseen. And it is a Lil John featuring the Kool-Aid man, All I Want for Christmas. And it is just 
everything you can imagine. It's a three minute and 15 second. You know, if you think about one of Little John's, you know, amazing contributions to symphony and music, you know, the song goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what could be better than that around the holiday time than the Kool-Aid man screaming, oh, yeah, along with Little John rapping with people dancing with candy canes and holiday themes. So this first one is an audible mention. I'd never seen it before. I don't plan on seeing it again, but it cannot be unseen once you've seen it. So shout out to Kool-Aid doing something so wild and off the beaten path that it made an impression on me as I was, it was just scrolling through, huh, interesting holiday campaign. So I'm starting with my honorable mention there. I've got two more that I want to dive into, but Jess, to make sure I don't talk for nine straight minutes, uh, do you have a second campaign you wanted to highlight today? I do, but I will say that um, I have not seen the Kool-Aid man hopping around on Christmas time. And now I feel like that's three minutes of my life I'm going to have to dedicate to it. So. Thank you maybe, for imparting that wisdom on me. You know, maybe it's something that Kool-Aid could partner with Starbucks on. Because Starbucks has the red cups, but they could just do clear cups one year and serve red Kool-Aid in partnership with Little John. So, guys, that one's free. Like, I won't charge anything for that creative concept. But uh, anyways, I'm way outside my lane. So, Jess, what's campaign number two for you? For me, campaign number two is going to be one that Spotify ran, um, and they ran it in partnership with Sonos. At its at its core, I like it because it's simple and it's strategically smart. Um, it uses multiple brands with a partnership, but the idea kind of behind this is we all celebrate the holidays. They're about gathering with friends, with family, with coworkers, and in kind of that spirit of celebration, if you will. Um, Spotify partnered with Sonos to do a playlist potluck. And simply the idea is just that instead of RSVPing what you're going to make uh, food or drink wise, you're going to add a song to a collaborative playlist. And the reason I like it, I had mentioned, is it's simple and smart, but it doesn't try to be anything that Spotify isn't, right? It like stays in their lane, it partners with another brand, and it's just a, a strategically creative way to be yourself in the holiday space and that's stuff that I really respond to yeah I love I love the way you put that it's Spotify isn't trying to be something they're not right I think there's a time and place for brands to remake their image or launch a new product line but when something like that isn't being done it's just fine to be more true to your product your brand or whatnot it doesn't have to be you know, we think about the Super Bowl commercial as literally the Super Bowl <laughs> of advertising and creative. And I'll get to this point on my second campaign. I'm going to highlight, I kind of have a pet peeve with some of the brands that put stuff out there that it's like, hey, really cool. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's a fun story. But I have no clue what your company does or what product you have or how what you just put out there <laughs> ties to your company or makes sense why. XYZ company is making an ad like that. So like, I love when there is a little bit of a tie, at least I don't have to completely suspend reality to wonder why XYZ corporation that makes drugs is putting an ad out there about golden retriever puppies. Obviously we love both of those things, uh, drugs that help people. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> and gold and golden retriever puppies. Um, oh boy. Might need to edit that one, but heck. Okay. The second campaign we're going to go to, um, speaking of fuzzy animals that are cute, but 
could kill you as well. Um, the Coca-Cola polar bears, uh, it's kind of a classic, but it is one of my favorites. I'm, I'm not going to claim that every Christmas I wonder what the Coca-Cola polar bears are up to, but kind of germane to what I just said about I appreciate it when brands do something creative, but at least like you can connect the dots between what the campaign is doing or saying and the actual product they make, right? There's some suspension of reality. I think, I don't think polar bears drink a ton of Coca-Cola around Christmas time. I'm no biologist, but I think it is really neat that the polar bears are having fun. They're wearing, you know, red and white scarves, holiday colors, that sort of thing. But they're also drinking Coca-Cola, right? Like there is a tie there. And I think it's something that's fun. It's seasonal. There is a direct product tie, but it's obviously differentiated in much of the marketing they do throughout the year. So I think that one's fun because it really threads the needle nicely for me of how do you do something holiday specific, but don't go so far that people are left wondering what company put that out there? What is their product? What is going on? Uh, yeah, so the polar bears also, I feel like, are something that just spans generations, right? Even if you didn't necessarily grow up when it started, but similar to what the Red Cups is turning into, I feel like most people, unlike Will, John, and Kool-Aid, uh, would be able to name the Coca-Cola bears up there on something that they see in advertising in the Christmas time. I Totally agreed. And how dare you suggest that the Kool-Aid man and Little John do not speak to people five to ninety-five? You you heard it here first. We're gonna start a revolution and Kool-Aid <laughs> man and Little John at holiday is gonna become a, a cultural revolution. I Santa Claus, Little John, and the Kool-Aid man. I mean, put it on a board in 2035. What else do you need? Uh Jess, any other campaigns you wanted to highlight? I've got one more. Um, let's hear what your other one is. Okay. Um, my other one, it's, it is a holiday ad, but I think it also does a really nice job of not just beating you over the head with red and green or Christmas. And it's actually an ad that Lagavulin, which is a, a scotch uh, manufacturer, did with Nick Offerman. And the thing that I thought was really interesting to highlight um, is that it's very, very subtly holiday so you could probably argue that you know we could talk about this campaign in the vein of just in general interesting creative concepts but it was relatively groundbreaking due to its subtlety in the fact that for 45 seconds nick offerman sat in front of a yule log fire and sipped lagavulin scotch and didn't say a word <laughs> and i think it's really fun when like now there is so much content. There's so much creativity. It's really hard to do something different. And it was just an interesting reminder that, hey, sometimes simplicity will be such a differentiator that you'll stand out so much. Like there, there were a few Super Bowl ads to you know jump back there um, that, that really stood out. And oftentimes it's now the simple stuff that's more attention grabbing, right? There's not colors flying everywhere. There's not an animal, you, animated animal you've never seen before. There's not 15, you know, pop stars or celebrities somehow in the same commercial. That stuff is kind of like now becoming white noise. But I did think that Lagavulin, Nick Offerman commercial was really interesting and had a fun sense of humor about poking fun at itself and the seriousness sometimes of holiday campaigns. Um, and I think it used Nick Offerman 
in a very natural role, which also made it work well. So that's my last one, Jess. Any thoughts about that one or final campaigns to highlight for you? Um, something that you said about the simplicity of, of that one. Also, I, I have to bring up um, REI as, as well, kind of on that list of cool campaigns that you've heard about. But what I think is interesting, I'm sure most of our listeners have heard of REI closing on Black Friday and kind of taking this stance, which is really popular lately on, you know, not necessarily being open, the consumerism of it, all of that whole thing. But I don't know if everybody necessarily knows that that whole idea started. They, they didn't really know it was going to get to the place that we all know where it is today. Um, again, in, in the sake of simplicity, they started with this simple idea that we want you to spend more time outside aligning with our mission statement of we believe that a life outdoors is a life well lived, use our products, get outside, and standing in line to buy things on that day. And it was a hashtag opt outside campaign that the employees actually started using to spread this message. I don't know that people necessarily know the first half of that story. We know what it is today. And we know that, you know, targets and, and other bright, big brands of the world are considering now we should close on Black Friday and we should treat our employees well. But it really started with just a simple idea of we sell products that we live in outside. You know, we go skiing and hiking and camping and fishing and you should go spend time doing that. I, you know, I, I think there's a theme that we're noticing and it's that you can't always necessarily try to come up with a cool idea that's going to become relevant years down the road you really just gotta stay true to who you are and sometimes simple is is the best way to make a big impact yeah i completely agree that simple is possibly sometimes best right there's always that crazy splashy out there ad or campaign that draws our attention but i think we, we might see the pendulum swing back a little bit to what is most effective or attention grabbing um, and just something you said about kind of simple being king or queen. Um, another interesting thing to think about is we've talked about this on a prior episode, but really being in tune with who your brand is and what customers expect of you. And that doesn't mean you have to do <laughs> run the same playbook or do the same things that's going to appease your audience every year. But it is an interesting thing to consider looking in the mirror. I'm not going to name types of companies or industries, but there are certainly types of companies or industries where, hey, maybe you don't need to spend tens, hundreds of thousands, or even millions of dollars on a holiday campaign. Your customers might not care what you have to say around the holiday time, right? Like it might be most effective for you to send one mass email lacking personalization that says, you know, happy holidays from ours to yours. <laughs> That's all you need to do. So I think understanding who you are, what the potential ROI of this campaign is, and taking a look in the mirror and thinking about what company you are and what expectations you have the holiday campaign should influence not only the creative, but maybe even if you're going to invest in something significant. So I think about that decision, like, should I or shouldn't I? on a holiday campaign. So we can probably gloss past that a little bit, Jess, unless you have additional thoughts, but kind of we, we hit on this a little bit as we highlighted 
the campaigns we discussed, but any other thoughts, Jess, on what makes a successful holiday campaign impactful? And that can be impactful for the audience, the brand, space aliens, you know, whoever else, whoever we want to make impacts on. So, so what makes a holiday campaign impactful in your mind? Yeah, so I think one of the first things that's going to be on that checklist for sure is they, they tell a relatable emotional story. I think you can see that in some of the ones that we talked about, but really we as humans want to connect with other humans. We don't necessarily want to feel like we are being yelled at or forced to buy your product or get on board with your brand. Um, we want to, you know, feel like we're connecting with, with our, the brands on a personal level. And so I think that these really impactful campaigns are telling those stories. And, you know, it leaves you with like a feel good moment, right? Um, and I think that's something that we ultimately, I think that's part of the reason why we all like the holiday in general is we get to experience a little bit of magic and coming together with people. Other than yeah. telling stories, uh, you know, and whether I, whether you agree with that or not, uh, what else do you think um, kind of, you know, really makes the campaign impactful? Um, so to be a, use a classic salesperson trope, uh, let's take a step back here. Um, because I think about, you know, Jess, I agree with all the things you said when it comes to like, what makes a campaign impactful relating to the human condition, telling a story that we can empathize with or connect with in some way, shape or form. Um, but as, as marketers, it's very rare that we can just go do the most fun, most creative campaign concept we can dream up, right? So oftentimes we also have to marry up, hey, what's a fun thing or, you know, whether it's a product launch or something a little bit more tangible, what's a creative concept of the holidays? We also have to tie that to measurement and success criteria. And to determine, hey, has this campaign been impactful? We need to understand upfront what are the measurements of success that we're looking for? And those measurements, depending on your marketing maturity, can be anywhere from as simple and basic as, hey, this year we're going to do a holiday campaign for the first time in company history. Or, you know, a shift in our business has suggested that, hey, we need to need to connect more with our consumers. Therefore, for the first year this year, you know, we're investing a small amount of money and we are doing a holiday campaign. Wonderful, right? Everyone's got to start somewhere. We work with clients all across the maturity curve, you know, all the way up to, hey, if you have an omni-channel campaign that has different tactics, channels, creative, et cetera, that is geared towards customers at different points in the funnel, you likely have specific metrics tied to each audience segment that you're targeting, right? So like, I'll use the most basic example, right? If you If you're campaign has a video element, right? Most videos will have some awareness metric tied to them. How many people are watching this thing? And then you'd click into some of the, uh, you know, more specific metrics, you know, how long, where they drop off, that sort of thing. So that's really important, awareness specific metrics. Then you think about like, hey, are people buying my product or converting on a campaign, right? Did they fill out the form? Did they subscribe? Did they buy the thing? So, you know, how are we setting metrics up front to determine if we're successful or not? And then oftentimes, depending on the areas where you want 
to be successful, sometimes that can even influence creative, right? Like, hey, we need some awareness metrics, but we're really focused on conversion this holiday season. So Jess, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, as we talk about setting goals and the marketer's responsibility to the business to drive real results, where have you seen that potentially impact either at the concept level at the you know creative asset level, any any thoughts there on how that impacts creative teams as they seek to you know measure their success within campaigns? Yeah. So at the end of the day, you know we're we're all marketers, right? And everything is going to be tied back to the to the bottom line. I think what we're seeing is that you really need to be as omni-channel as you can be because it's going to take um, multiple touch points to convince consumers to make a purchase, especially in today's world where you're, you're just being hit with messages everywhere. And I think where that then lends to taking your ideas is creative needs to produce a lot more of it in a lot of different spaces. You can no longer necessarily bank on making a TV commercial and being successful with that you are probably going to have to have a flashy landing page and some social media assets and an email with a follow-up um, if they didn't necessarily purchase. And I think kind of the, the, the cool and interesting thing there is really any of those channels can be successful and it's the, the combination of those that's gonna you know, have the biggest success metrics at the end of the day. So you have to be prepared to have content ready in every lane. Ooh, content ready in every lane. That sounds like a challenge. But, um, they call it, uh, the everyone needs a vacation after the holiday season. We're all tired. For sure. Because not only do you have to have a concept that stands up to the ability to put it in different channels, you also then have to have the asset production capability to pump that stuff out. And then the companies who are doing this right from our perspective are not just set it and forget it, right? The holidays at minimum are a month long period sometime right before Black Friday and Christmas, right? But for most companies, they're stretching that well before Black Friday and even post New Year's, right? The, hey, if you didn't buy on Christmas, you know, here's stuff that's discounted, right? That's, you can tell I'm a creative copywriter for, for campaigns like this. Um, but it generally is at least a month, if not two months worth of a campaign here. And oftentimes we're recommending that folks iterate along the way, along the way, right? Our customers' expectations and demands are constantly changing. And if we are able to analyze our results in real time, we can tweak creative either by audience segment or by product or by geography, you know, whatever that looks like. Generally, this is not a set it and forget it issue. So, hey, you might think you're building, you know, one doohickey, you're actually going to need three doohickeys because it's going to perform a little better with this audience segment. We're going to drop this product out of the campaign because we sold out so quickly. Stuff happens, as the kids say. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to take a step back one further as well. And what we're seeing some of our clients do is even preparing as early as, as now, right? We're, I'm going to say we're July. We have officially hit August and back to school in fall in some parts of the country. But what's coming up in the conversations that are ha we're having is people are already thinking about the holidays and they're thinking about what they can do. And one of the things that 
we have been seeing with some clients is this idea of testing um, a strategy that you might want to use for holiday time during a smaller holiday, like back to school, right? We we keep you know using the word holiday, and I think we mean the, the Thanksgiving, Christmas time. But uh, a good example is retail back to school. So, do you have an idea of how you might want to use some new personalization efforts, um, use some new data that you have in an email campaign about um, buy online, pick up in store? It's a really really good time to try that out during back to school, uh, where you can work out the kinks iterate, fix it before you have to launch it for this, you know, your biggest sales season of the year come November, December. That is so smart. Marketers are smart, Jess. <laughs> Testing out concepts or channels or whatnot. I mean, for many, to, to use an analogy that I used to start the podcast, you know, for many of our customers and, and you know, companies in general, Q4 and or the holiday season is their proverbial Super Bowl, right? You know, retailers, uh, some CPG companies, you know, they're doing 75, 80% of their annual business in this window. So it's two months of pedal to the metal. But to your point, there's planning and testing that can and should happen well before, you know, we we enter the arena for the Super Bowl, if you will. So I love that example. Um, another kind of thing that we discussed in, in prep for this and thing is the, the technical marketing term, obviously, is this idea of, you know, if we're setting success criteria early, we've got a kick-ass creative concept, building all the stuff, we're iterating and being really smart. Something that marketers, I think over the course of the last, even just several years that has really increased in appreciation and focus is the data conversation, right? So, hey, we can have the most awesome creative concept in the world, but if we are not prepared to ingest, analyze, and then take advantage of any data that we are tracking, earning from our subscriber base during the course of these campaigns, we're probably not doing ourselves justice because not only is the holiday season the proverbial Super Bowl for many of our clients because they are selling so much product, it also then, at least the train of thinking would follow, <laughs> that we're earning a lot of new customers or re-engaging with old customers because we have POS data, we have online shopping data, et cetera. We have all this data flowing in that we're learning so much about our customers. But if the data is not structured or if our campaign setup or our ESP or our marketing automation platform or any of the other terms <laughs> are not set up to take advantage of that, we're not taking full advantage of the holiday season, all that it offers the marketer for the rest of the year to continue to engage with that audience. So Jess, any thoughts about like customer lifetime value, how we leverage that data, how you have to be prepped for that, how you use it in the future, et cetera? Yeah, I think that there's an element of if you're not using your holiday time advertising to consider your longer, longer year strategy, then you're really falling a little bit flat, right? And you're a little bit too short-sighted in that. Holiday is a really good opportunity. Uh, data has been the hot take word of the past few months, and it's only going to continue to be crucial in your success strategies. So really, the smartest marketers, if you will, um, the ones that are, have the ability to think bigger picture, are really seeing this as an opportunity. 
Um, I think you mentioned earlier, just it's not really set it and forget it. And I think that's true of these individual pieces we might be creating to bring happiness and joy uh, to people. But I also think that it really speaks to needing to find out what the value of that is long term. And I know some of the things that we were kind of talking back and forth when we um, prepped for this was, what can you necessarily use with the data that you obtain during holiday time to further promote sales in June um, before the next holiday season comes? And I think that there's a few areas that that lends really well in uh, beauty and reusable products. So we're going to resell and buy a, buy a bunch of products um, that we know six months are going to run out, three months, whatever that cycle might be. But really, I think there, there's a message here that I don't think everyone thinks about because to your point about the Super Bowl, it's, it ends, right? So a lot of us are like, yeah, we made it through the holiday time. I made a joke earlier about needing a vacation after the holidays. But in all reality, you get through that and you've just got a whole bunch of new data points to, to use and work with and continue to refine your strategy longer term. Yeah, I, I love that. And like beauty products is a really good one. Another thing we talked about was the idea, because we are both living in this world right now, of small children's clothing, right? So think of, of product examples where there's a natural progression. We have so many clients coming to us saying, hey, my digital revenue growth is down or I need to increase customer lifetime value. Like, okay, well, what are you doing today so that you actually understand your customer lifetime or life cycle rather, so you understand your customer life cycle. And then how are you engaging with them at the critical moments in the life cycle? Uh, It's a really, really easy example. And in an effort for me to be able to understand it, I'm going to use it. (laughs) But to jump back to the infant or kids clothing, right? There are windows, it's, you know, infant, zero to three months, three to six and six to nine. It does not take a rocket data scientist to figure out, oh, if someone is buying infant clothes, perhaps they might be interested in zero to three month clothes sometime soon. And don't get me wrong, there's nuance in that data. There's plenty of people, aunts and uncles who buy it one time and it's not their child. Grandparents buy, maybe it's people only buy once a year for birthdays, that sort of thing. But that's at least a starting point, right? If you're not doing anything personalized or that attempts to capture more critical points of the customer lifecycle value, start there. Think about, do I have a product that lends itself to repeated purchases that I can predict and then make efforts to engage with that audience at the times where the data tells me it's three months later, they're probably looking at stuff like this. Can I send them a coupon? Um, Can I ask for the child's birthday on an online form to be able to send that child not send the child if they're an infant, they're probably not going to be redeeming any gift cards anytime soon, but send the parents of the child a gift card, right? So like, if we think about that, you know, better understanding the customer life cycle, how we put creative elements to that and how we try to own that life cycle post the holidays. I think that's a really important uh, mark that not all customers are, are fully taking advantage of yet. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, Jess. That brings us to our final kind of bucket of stuff 
uh, again, I like using technical terminology to describe the important marketing strategies we're discussing. Discussing, um, and that bucket of stuff is okay. I've got this crazy holiday campaign going. Ninety-nine percent of my marketing budget, time, and effort are geared toward this holiday campaign, where I have this awesome concept with Garfield as Santa Claus, and you know he's he's chasing the chicken around and delivering presents to the people. Uh, that idea is free as well for you creatives out there. Um, but in lieu of the important holiday campaigns, what are other things that we should be considerate of come holiday time? So a really good example that I'm going to start with, and then Jess, I'll pass it over to you to highlight any others you might be considering. Um, IP warming is a really important issue that we speak with clients about a ton. It is the process of making sure that we have a high deliverability rate, making sure we're getting to the inbox to the right customers at the right time. Because uh, the email service providers, even audiences are far more sensitive around holiday times because they're being bombarded <laughs> by emails, texts, etc. The holidays are not an advantageous time to do IP warming because there's so much more sensitivity and there's a higher risk of being marked as spam or not being accepted with some of the practices you might be putting in place. So if you're wondering, do I need to spin up a new IP to deliver more messages? Do I need to start a new IP for this new product or new geography I'm working with? If the answer is I need to set up a new IP and it needs to be around the holiday times, you need to reconsider things because that is going to be challenging and ultimately you may not meet your goal of being able to send those messages during the holiday time. So if you think there's any chance of that, make sure you plan well ahead so you can have that IP warmed and ready for the holiday season, not starting it during the holiday season. So Jess, that's my IP warming rate. Do you have anything else that we should be considerate of around holiday time for marketers? Yeah, another important technical one to keep in mind would be short code acquisition timing. Um, with how busy the carriers are going to be during holiday time, you're going to probably be really frustrated to try to do that in those holiday month windows. So let's stay away from short code acquisition. And that's an easy solve, right? We think about it ahead of time and just don't need to do it in those months. Um, another one that is kind of a, an important consideration that we think about. And I want to highlight it because it's a little bit backwards of what you might think, but we've talked a lot about retail companies in this conversation, uh, which is obviously really important in holiday. But what if you're a B2B company? What if you're a bank um, and you're trying to decide how to finish out your strategy for the rest of the year? We actually are going to say, let's consider not running campaigns during holiday time if they're not business critical. If you've got a whole slew of campaigns, see there's a slew, technical term for you. Um, if you have a whole you know group of holiday or awareness campaigns that you're running that are not business critical, like I said, maybe it makes more sense to turn those off for your business. Um, you're going to be competing with a lot of messages. You're going to get lost in a lot of noise. And it's going to be more expensive because prices in the paid media space are going to up during holiday. And sometimes the, the smartest strategy is sometimes to do nothing. And I think it would be really beneficial if you're in a non-retail environment to consider if that's right for your business. Yeah, so, so often, and especially around the holidays, right, you can make all the jokes about, you know, 
American or Western maximalism. Uh, we always have a rush to be busy or do the biggest and best thing. I, I love that advice, right? Of not only does it not, does a holiday campaign make sense for your business or not, but even looking at all the rest of the things you do around, you know, evergreen paid digital campaigns or, you know, journeys that you always have on, do some of those become less critical because there is so much noise? Um, can you save a little bit of money if that's not a business critical time for you? Uh, does your audience need a breather <laughs> from you? I would hope not. Hopefully you have a good marketing partner who's working with you to make sure your audience is not getting fatigued of your messaging. But Jess, I love that. That's a, that's really good advice. This is all focused on holidays, but if we think about non-holiday campaigns and considerations there, that's good. That's why you uh, get to hang out with our clients and tell them what to do. They just uh, flex, flex your brilliance. <laughs> um, I think that's about all I got in the world of holiday cam campaigns and whatnot. Jess, any uh, final thoughts before we uh, get out of here together? Yeah, I just wanted to add uh, one more kind of comment in general, but um, I think that there's this element of we really leaned in during COVID to focus, to drive up, um, pick up and whatnot. And we're seeing brands that have maybe tapered off that a little bit in terms of advertising because the world is back to normal. Um, but I would consider that, you know, we've all gotten used to the convenience of those things and they're not going away. We were introduced to them um, through COVID and kind of trying to make it work. But now that we've introduced this value out of convenience for the customer, it, it's not going to go away. So I, we would recommend um, that if, if that's something that you maybe haven't talked about in a while, I think there's some value uh, to be had there and just continuing to use those tools because the customers want them, right? We're going to perpetually try to figure out how to do more in our lives every day with or without a screaming year and a half year old, it is in my case. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Level Up. We're looking, looking to continue to level up your knowledge on the latest news, technology, and marketing trends affecting marketers day to day. Uh, we have new episodes of Level Up coming out every other week on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time, uh, thank you for leveling up your marketing knowledge with us. <laughs>